What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about X-Men movie franchise. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the last four X-Men movies, X-Men First Class, X-Men Days of Future Past, X-Men Apocalypse, and finally just came out this week, and I finally saw X-Men Dark Phoenix. But let's start with First Class. It started this new rendition of the X-Men movies with James McAvoy's Professor Charles Xavier, Michael Fassbender's Magneto, Eric Lencher, and... Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique Raven. Okay. X-Men First Class really reset the X-Men movies. For those of you who don't remember, Last Stand came out in 2006, and we didn't get another X-Men movie until 2011, which was X-Men First Class. X-Men Last Class was, I mean, Last Stand was really... Not that good to me, but First Class really reset the bar of what an X-Men movie could be. There's a super young, talented, stellar cast of actors who have gone on to do amazing things. Yes, McAvoy and Fassbender lead that cast, and Jennifer Lawrence is a legit movie star. But what about the supporting characters of First Class? Need I remind you that Zoe Kravitz is in First Class as a character named Angel. Nicholas Holt is in the movie as Beast. Lucas Till plays Havoc. Young person after young person is in this movie. And Caleb Landry Jones is Banshee. Now, for those of you who don't know Caleb Landry Jones, he has been in basically every Oscar-nominated movie recently, like Free Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and Get Out. He's the brother in Get Out that's a bit of a racist. But that's besides the point. What a young, stellar cast. The X-Men movies have built stars. I think it differs from the Avengers movie in that way. When they when the Avengers got Robert Downey Jr. and some of these guys, Mark Ruffalo, they were established. The X-Men movies have built young stars. I didn't know McAvoy and Fassbender before these movies really. I of course I knew Jennifer Lawrence because of the Hunger Games, but that Still, they built, like I knew Nicholas Holt to an extent, but I'd never known that much about him other than he was in the movie about a boy. But guys like Lucas Till and Caleb Landry Jones and Zoe Kravitz to that point, yeah, she'd been in a few things, but she hadn't yet been in Mad Max Fury Road. And that's when I really was like, wow, this is an amazing actress. But these movies built these young stars where the other the other rendition of the X-Men had Patrick Stewart and Ian McClellan, who had already been in Lord of the Rings, and the other guy had been in Star Trek. They were well-established stars. This version of the X-Men movies, I feel more, is my X-Men because I saw them grow. I had no idea who Michael Fassbender was, and then I saw First Class and was like, this is a top five actor working right now. And yes, his work has proven that. Being in movies like 12 Years a Slave and Steve Jobs movie. I mean, this guy can carry a movie in his mag- his version of Magneto. I can quote Magneto's lines in this movie. He dominates first class. It's It's the Magneto movie. It really is. If you were going to pick one movie... That's the Magneto movie. It's first class. The entire movie is about his arc, how he's first the hero, then he's an anti-hero, and then he's a villain. It really establishes that greatly. And the final scene is amazing where he kills Kevin Bacon's character with a coin. I mean, no spoiler alert, the movie's been out for like a decade. 
Even Kevin Bacon in this movie is brilliant. And yes, you have so many great actors that have just tore up Hollywood since these movies have come out. Need I remind you that this movie has Rose Byrne as Moira Taggart, Taggart a secondary character, although she... Re and then you had Oliver Platt in this movie. So many great actors were part of this movie, and I just thought it reestablished X-Men as, like, great acting superhero movies. Like, the acting in these movies at points have been superb and brilliant at times. There's a scene where Michael Fassbender's character m moves amazing things at points in his scenes with McAvoy. I mean, this is the McAvoy-Fassbender movie, if there was ever going to be one. This is where the legacy of being a dynamic duo was born, and I just thought it, it reborn the X-Men into amazing things. Yeah, I think the most powerful scene in the movie is when Fassbender, just out of pure rage, tries to move an entire ship, and McAvoy's character is like, no, dude, you're not going to get the job done alone. I just thought those scenes are iconic, and that it's established this franchise. Matthew Vaughn directed a brilliant, brilliant movie, and he's gone on to direct the Kingsman movies, and now he's producing Rocketman. He's a brilliant filmmaker, and he just brought all the actors to play all those roles. McAvoy is brilliant as Professor X. Fassbender, brilliant. Jennifer Lawrence in the first movie, not so brilliant, but I'll get to her later. She really developed into her role as Mystique. This is just a massive success, and it just blew my mind, because last day, and I was like, okay, I'm done with the X-Men. And then I saw First Class, and I'm like, wow, I want to see these people in these roles, because they are bringing superb acting to it and that ending of the movie that divides Fastbenders and McAvoy's characters are amazing and it, it describes how of course Professor X got into a wheelchair and it just divided the entire team I mean that ending was brilliantly scripted and the scenes in Cuba I mean epic on an epic scale the movie is just pure epic. First class, just reestablish the X-Men as a viable franchise. Now let's move three years later when X-Men Days of Future Past comes out. This isn't this is the the biggest movie on the grandest scale that the X-Men has ever tried to do. And if you ask me, it is my favorite superhero movie of all time. It mixes time travel beautifully. It mixes Ian McClellan, Patrick Stewart with Fassbender and McAvoy. I mean, everything about this movie I love. But I want to get into the specifics of what I love about this movie. First off, every character in this movie has a specific and key role in the movie and you know who they are and what they are doing. The X-Men movies that don't work for me, Last Stand, are the ones that there are a bunch of characters doing things and you don't know why they are doing things. Everything in this movie is established to what the mutants are doing in the movie. Yes, Hugh Jackman's character tra time travels, and that's confusing. But you know why he's time traveling, why he's the one to time travel, and you know why he fits into this role. It's not just, oh, let's get Hugh Jackman to be in this movie so that we can have an established star with the younger stars. No, there is a real purpose to his character being the one who time travels. He can recover from time travel. It makes sense. Even the cameo by Lucas Tills Havoc, there's a scene when Jennifer Lawrence is infiltrating the military. There's a scene with him. Every person in this movie has a role. Toad's in the military there. Lucas Tills in the 
military there. It makes sense why that person would be at that spot at that time. No one in this movie is useless. Single character in this movie has a motive and a reason to be there and be part of the plot. Yes, there's a million characters in this movie, but every single one of them has a reason to be there. They are there to stop Mystique from killing someone and starting a huge war that creates a bunch of robot army. Yes, it's a fictional story that makes zero sense, but it makes sense in the fact that you know why those people are there and what they are doing. Yes, I wish some of my other favorite characters were still alive in that movie. I mean, they kill characters like Banshee and... A lot of them that I liked in the first movie, and they're not there. But I understand you can't fit everyone into these movies. But this movie is so good in how people talk about Endgame and how it fits all those massive characters into one plot. No superhero movie has fit all these characters into one massive plot better than Days of Future Past. And if First Class is the Magneto movie... Days of Future Past is the Mystique movie. Jennifer Lawrence dominates this film. She finally forms into her own what the character of Mystique is going to be. Everything this character is doing is interesting. You're, you're following a character into her first time trying to kill someone. She's changing her moral grounds. Her scenes with Charles are amazing. Her scenes with Magneto are amazing. Her relationship with Beast Nicholas Holt's character is amazing. She just fits so well into the plot of this movie. And yeah, Michael Fassbender's character becomes the villain, but... Mystique is the wild card, and the wild card in these movies are more interesting to follow. Yes, you know Charles X is going to form into the hero, and Magneto is going to form into the villain. But Mystique, this is the first time the X-Men movies have a real wild card. You don't know whose side Mystique is on until the end of the movie where she has to make the decision. And the movie is compelling, and it's fast-paced, and it's so good. It is so good. How each and every one of them fit into a weird time travel plot, but ultimately it makes sense to me. And I, I can't tell you how bad this movie could have been and how brilliant it is instead. And one of the reasons it's brilliant is there's one more person who, who I would say is one of the best steel scene stealing keys to this movie. Evan Peters as Quicksilver just takes over this movie for about the 10 minutes he's in. And yes, I would say he probably should have been in more of it. But what he's in it, he just fits his role and then he goes away. And that kind of makes sense to me. Because I don't know if he could have maintained what he was doing for an entire movie. I thought he fit perfectly into this movie. I read somewhere that they were going to have Juggernaut be the one who helps Magneto escape from prison. But they let Quicksilver be the one. And it just worked perfectly. Yes, there's a music montage. His scenes with... Mike, Michael Fassbender are amazing. Evan Peters, this is his best performance in a movie yet. He can be the scene-stealing guy, and he just fits so well into the role and his scenes with all of the characters. Even Hugh Jackman and him have some scenes. I mean, the dynamics between Hugh Jackman, Fassbender, and McAvoy are tremendous. This is my favorite superhero movie of all time. Yes, I love Avengers. Yes, I love Endgame. Yes, I love Infinity War. 
Days of Future Past is where it's at for me. The acting in it. Hugh Jackman just brings it. It's one of his better performances as Wolverine. And that's saying a lot because I loved him in X-Men and X2. This is one of his better performances as he, as Wolverine because he's seen his future and he's trying to prevent it and he knows the history of the X-Men. And yes, there could have been so many more characters in this movie. This is the perfect superhero. For those of people who doubt superhero movies, I would show them Days of Future Past and say, this movie is, to me, utterly perfect. The success of Days of Future Past, there was really only one place for the X-Men to go, and that is for Apocalypse. Yes, they finally did the Apocalypse storyline, which, to me, is a real mixed bag of some good and some bad. Yes, I think this was supposed to be their version of Thanos, and they really messed that up to a point. I don't think Oscar Isaac's version of Apocalypse is as bad as everyone says it is. Listen, I just think our the way we grade superhero movies is on a curb now, and we've seen how good they can be, and when they don't reach those certain expectations, we just say they're utter, te- utterly terrible. This movie is not utterly terrible. There's some really good things in this movie. For instance, the additions of Ty Sheridan as Cyclops and Cody Smith McAfee as Nightcrawler I just think are great they are people that fit what I would imagine those people the younger versions of those characters to be especially Cody Schmidt McAfee who starred in a movie with Fastbender called Slow West if you haven't seen that one see that one but this guy just fits his role and he's got the cool red jacket and I love everything his character is doing in the movie He's interesting, he's funny, he's kind of the comedic relief of the movie. I mean, Ty Sheridan Cyclops is kind of messed up, and then you have Sophie Turner's edition of Jean Grey, which I'll get to in a little bit with Dark Phoenix, but she's kind of intense. I think he's the comedic relief of the new group, and he just fits it so well. I think this movie is a mixed bag, and I think the Magneto storyline is interesting, Listen, I just think that who's in the Four Horsemen, I'm kind of mad at. I think what they did with Lucas Till's Havoc is a mistake. I think he should have been one of the Four Horsemen. And what they've done to a character like Angel. Listen, Ben Hardy plays Angel. I like Ben Hardy. He's in um, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. This character has just been played by some good actors, but he's supposed to be on the good side, and he's one of the original X-Men, and he's kind of iconic, if you ask me, and they really haven't done him well in my estimation. Listen, Angel deserves better. You have Olivia Munn playing Cyclops, and you have all these four horsemen, and it's interesting, and it's kind of cool. I mean, what they do with Angel's aesthetic is kind of cool, but it's like, why does this guy have this power? It's kind of confusing. Listen, I think the Magneto storyline is interesting giving him a family and tearing it all up it seems like he's the most tortured character and you're just giving that kind of role to Fassbender because he's a dramatic actor but he really does a lot with it in those scenes where he's just killing innocent people you're like okay this kind of works he's kind of like a Frankenstein monster kind of deal and it's kind of really fascinating at times and it's really good acting on his part but again some of the moments are great I mean you have the addition of Storm played by Alexandra Ship, and I thought that was interesting, her being a bad guy to start off. But listen, it's a mixed bag because ultimately, yes, you brought back 
you brought back a lot of interesting characters from the other ones, and you brought back Rose Byrne, more of Taggart's character. But Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse just isn't as effective as a villain as, say, Thanos was for the Avengers. This was their version of Thanos, and it didn't work out for them. I mean, it just did not work out. He doesn't captivate audiences. You don't know what motivates him at all. Is it just the end of the world? He there's scenes where he's just clicking on a TV and he's learning everything and it just looks silly. The thing that makes Infinity War and Endgame good is because Thanos' motives maybe they don't make sense, but you understand where he got that from. Listen, I feel like when an alien just grabs a TV and learns everything about your world, you're not going to take that threat seriously. The problem is for audiences, I didn't take the threat of Apocalypse seriously. Oscar Isaac is one of my favorite actors. If you listen to this podcast, you know he's one of my favorite actors. But guess what? It just doesn't compel me or as interesting as what Thanos is to the Avengers and that's the problem with a movie like Apocalypse the best acting in Apocalypse it, to me is done by McAvoy I think it's one of the more interesting things he's done as Professor X I really thought his performance was really good in the movie he's become the mentor the guider he's no longer I mean what McAvoy's done in this movie is okay from first class he's a professor who understands mutants in Days of Future Past, he's a drunk alcoholic who's struggling with the loss of his friends. And now in Apocalypse, he's in a leadership role. I just think that development of that character is interesting, and I like what they've actually done with the character. Because the Charles Xavier, I mean, the um, Patrick Stewart version of the character is just perfect throughout until Last Stand, where he makes his mistakes. But that character, you just, he's always wise. He's never, he's never not perfect. I feel like the McAvoy character has been thrown up and shot out if you you know what I mean like he's gone through some things and that makes him interesting and in apocalypse I really thought they brought that together this movie is a mixed bag but it is watchable there are really good compelling scenes in this movie it's not the strongest X-Men movie ever, but I think it is better than what most people think it is. And now let's talk about The Dark Phoenix, which came out last week. I finally saw this movie. This is Sophie Turner's time as Jean Grey to play The Dark Phoenix, which was the entire central plot of The Last Stand, also mixed in with The Cure. It's one of Simon Kinberg's greatest mistakes. So guess what? He took the reins from Brian Singer, who directed Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, and he directed... Dark Phoenix. This was his first movie ever as a director. That is mind-boggling. It makes zero sense why your first movie would be this epic superhero plot. And you can see the rookie mistakes. Listen, I think this movie is ultimately humorless. It was one of the most darkening movies ever. And I get the tone of the movie. I get the seriousness of the movie. There was zero humor throughout. But I I do want to talk about some of the good before I ultimately destroy this movie in half. Because there are some good. This is the weakest of the four movies I've talked about. Fastbender and Sophie Turner have the best scenes together. For some reason, I find that relationship compelling because he's kind of like the mentor and she's the mentee. I feel like her, her, her scenes with McAvoy aren't as interesting because they're on the same ground because she's a telepath and he's a telepath. But for some reason, her relationship with Magneto, I find interesting because he, like her, is super powerful and has a, kind of a moral, you know, they're not morally all right. They kind of have the same sense of what they're doing is bad. 
that relationship was interesting. But when he finds out that I'm not going to spoil the movie, but when she finds out he, he she's done something terrible, he turns on her and maybe rightfully so. But I found that relationship kind of the only one in the movie that I wanted to see more of. Like, why couldn't we have had, and, and we don't even see Fastbender until maybe an hour into the movie. And I was like, Oh, when is Fastbender coming? But when he does come, I actually think what he's doing is good. Listen, it's not Fastbender from first class. Who's hungry and out there. It's not even him from apocalypse or, or days of future past. But I think he's one of the core original actors who brings in a pretty, really good performance. In my opinion. I mean, the Sophie Turner performance in this movie is interesting. I mean, like, she's there's points where her voice, you can barely hear what she's saying. I think she's playing it super dark, and it's sometimes cool and sometimes compelling. And her relationship with Ty Sheridan's Cyclops is interesting. But I just don't feel like I know enough about that, that trio of characters. Even the Nightcrawler character. Nightcrawler goes bonkers in this movie at one point and kills a bunch of guys and you're like, whoa, that was really interesting. I want to know more about that guy. This movie feels rushed and again, the plot is super messed up if you ask my opinion. I, I, I thought there was, uh, I will say there's one other guy I thought was actually pretty good in this movie. Nicholas Holt as Beast. Listen, some of these movies he's had a lot to do. And some of these movies, he hasn't had a lot to do. I thought in Apocalypse, he barely fit into the role of that movie. But in this one, he kind of morphed back into it. And he lost someone he loved. I'm not going to reveal spoilers, but he lost somebody he loved. And he fought for it. And I thought that was interesting. I thought it was compelling. I thought his his strained relationship with Xavier was interesting. And again, even his scenes with Fassbender, I thought, were interesting. I thought Michael Fassbender did a pretty good job for what he was given. Listen, again, it wasn't great Fassbender, but I thought it was middle of the pack Michael Fassbender, which is better than most people. I mean, you can give Fassbender dramatic parts, and he's going to hit it out of the park because of how good he is. And I thought his scenes with Holt and his scenes with Sophie Turner were good. Now I want to talk about... The bad of the movie. Because there are some bad. The lack of Evan Peters as Quicksilver in this movie is super disappointing. Because I think they took him out of this movie because he is the comedic relief. And I think they purposely didn't want comedic relief. Well, guess what this movie needed most? Comedic relief. I needed Evan Peters as Quicksilver. And I actually needed him for the plot. Because the biggest plot of the last two movies, Days of Future Past and Apocalypse have been between the relationship of Evan Peters and Michael Fassbender. Quicksilver is the son of Magneto. That is never resolved. You're telling me you couldn't have had a scene in this movie where Quicksilver goes to the island that Magneto is living on, Genosha, that protects mutants, and go to him and be like, hey, I'm your son. That would have been a scene worth having in this movie because you know this is the final movie that these actors are going to be playing these characters probably, and the fact that we're never going to have Evan Peters and Michael Fassbender confront one another as father and son is super, super disappointing and annoying to me. It is super annoying that that's not going to be the case because, first of all, they're two of the better actors in the series. Evan Peters has been in three straight movies, and his role in the movies has... I don't know. His best role in the movie was maybe his 
second smallest in Days of Future Past was perfect. Apocalypse, he was okay. And then in this, he's just a no-show. It's kind of troubling how they haven't utilized his character enough. He is the perfect comedic relief, and for some reason, they chose not to have comedic relief, which is altogether disturbing. And the fact that Magneto and Quicksilver will never resolve their father-son issues is super messed up. last thing I want to say about Dark Phoenix is how underused one of the best actresses of our time is, Jessica Chastain. She has been in movies like Interstellar, The Help, and so many, Lawless. There's so many good movies she's been in. I don't understand why Jessica Chastain wanted to play a random alien. If somebody put a gun to my head and said, who did Jessica Chastain play in the Dark Phoenix? I'd have no idea what to tell you. It was so weird. I thought she was good for what she was doing. Like, I thought it was interesting at points with what she was doing with her voice. But again, it was so vague what she was, what alien race. I know she's a Dubai alien or whatever they were trying to call her. I have no idea. It was super confusing. It was a super confusing movie and a sad way to end the franchise. But again, it's a mixed bag movie. Again, there's very, I'd say I like 20% of the movie and 80%. I just didn't quite get it. Maybe if I saw it a second time, again, I've only seen it once, but again, the majority of it is super confusing and a sad way to end what I feel is a glorious franchise. About all four of these movies with Magavoy, Fassbender, Lawrence, and Holt. First Class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix. Now I want to talk about the overall legacy of these movies. Again, McAvoy, Fassbender, Lawrence, and Holt have brought great acting to these movies. And the, the other young stellar cast, Lucas Till, Caleb Landry-Jones, Zoe Kravitz, on and on and on, Ty Sheridan, Cody Schmidt-McPhee, some interesting young actors who I hadn't seen before. So that's a great thing these movies have done. But I think the most troubling thing about the X-Men movie franchise is after their massive successes, they go backwards, where the other Marvel movies seem to go forwards. Spider-Man has had this issue too in the past, from Spider-Man 2 to Spider-Man 3 was a big mistake. They also have problems with ending trilogies and series. Last Stand, again, is not good. But after X2, they made that mistake. And after Days of Future Past, they made the mistake with Apocalypse. And after Apocalypse, they made the mistake with Dark Phoenix. After some successes, there seems to, they don't know how to, where to go next with big, massive plots. And too many characters that aren't used properly or enough. Like, for instance, in First Class, January Jones plays a great character named Emma Frost. She has the same powers as Charles Xavier. She joins Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. The sequel to First Class should have had, and these people should have been included, a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants that included Emma Frost, Azazel from the first movie, um, Toad, maybe Juggernaut, and Sabretooth. I don't think that's asking a lot for there to have been a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, and by the way, Mystique would have been a part of it. I think there should have been a maybe a movie between First Class and Days of Future Past that was X-Men versus the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Because to me, this those two teams haven't faced each other properly since the first X-Men movie, and I wanted to see more of it. How did Magneto form the evil Brotherhood of Mutants? We saw how he did at the end of First Class, and then we never saw that team of mutants fight together again. 
Zoe Kravitz's angel was a member of that team at the end of that movie. Again, Azazel, Emma Frost, so many of these characters I would have loved to see go up against an X-Men team. A fully formed X-Men team versus a fully formed evil brotherhood of mutants. Why did that never happen? Because even though X-Men is one of my favorite movie franchises, after they have success, they sometimes botch where they should go next. And sometimes when they hit it so good, they can never do it again and it's struggling. And there's t- the, what I find interesting is it seems to do better when there's a little between a gap. Between first class and Days of Future Past, there's three years. Between Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, there's two years. Between Apocalypse and... Dark Phoenix, there's two years. There should at least be a three-year gap between X-Men movies because First Class and Days of Future Past are two of the best superhero movies out there. And the, the sad thing is Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are not. They're just some movies that have some good moments but are mostly iffy. It's sad because there can be... X-Men are so interesting and I find them way more interesting than even the Avengers or Spider-Man or Batman for that reason. They're my favorite group of superheroes and they've been treated right at times, but as a property, Fox, they've been treated wrong. The legacy of the X-Men are one that I enjoy. I like most of their movies. It's going to be interesting to see what Disney and Marvel do with the X-Men. But for McAvoy... Fassbender, Lawrence, and Holt, they have done a magnificent job of bringing acting to these movies, and I hope that these people act together again in something. Just hope maybe it's not another X-Men movie, because they all seemed really out of it by the end of Dark Phoenix. I'm Cameron McKinney. Thanks again for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. There will be a new episode of Pop Culture Spotlight every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thanks again for listening to this X-Men special. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast.